Hey. And so, um, and what I do is give a raw footage um, to okay. all the guests, that, and then the edited stuff is what get uh, posted on. So, um, got you. The raw shit, you know, it's it's any and everything could be edited. Don't forget that. So, I, uh, I, I, I got you. <laughs> yeah, got yeah. You. The, so we the just edit talk. button. The edit button is is available. So, oh, so we, for sure. You know, as as I as I talk sometimes when I when I'm talking with family friends I'm like we all adults here now so that's right exactly exactly we could be up we could be up front yes sir yes sir so, yeah man cool man let me um no I, I just my... I, pre- I appreciate the opportunity man I like I said I saw listen to your first one with James and and uh, you saw your flyers and stuff and and I was like that's 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 cool stuff. And little did I know I was going to get a text message shortly thereafter. <laughs> yeah, man. And, and you know what? I know there's some people that's waiting for this and oh, they yeah. going to get it. You know and what I'm saying? It's it. just, it's so many of us that I had yeah. to go down list of who it really has come down availability at this point. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm excited about the people that have said yes. Um, and I like, it's funny, I start usually start the show with people just naming names just to, mm-hmm. you know uh so again so so far done brian dunn mm-hmm. all-time great brian cleary all-time great oh yeah uh, um who else has said yes uh harp dave harper uh uh uh, uh matt rach fred manlap everybody uh, man. Uh, yeah man so we we again there's more but i'm at the top of my head that that's who know said yes so far so cool man looking forward to that so yeah let's go ahead and get started man sounds like a plan brother all right so this is moise baptiste with the mofo podcast i'm your host moise baptiste like i said and uh welcome to mofo podcast where the purpose is to connect uh people and share them with the world so uh learn from each other and also give people that we respect and love their flowers while they're still on this planet so uh, without further ado, I got another, as you know, I'm doing a series called uh, Memories from Moon. And um, the goal is to capture Robert Moore's football um, history, football history, um, relatively new program, less than 30 years old, but has made a huge impact on the NCAA uh, football level. So um, without further ado, my next guest just want to throw some stats out there. So he is a uh, top five all-time interceptions. Uh, uh, he uh, uh, holds the record for uh, yardage in, in return um, as it relates to uh, interception yardage. Uh, he also has uh, on a list of, of all-purpose yards um, as a defender. Um, so a defender who returns kicks. So uh, we also, he's a Robert Morris University on the all-time, first team, all-time team at cornerback, uh, four-year starter, uh, All-American, uh, uh, one of the best uh, players in Robert Morris history overall. We can say that, all right? Uh, I got a chance to play with him. Um, there's a very interesting story that come with that, <laughs> about that, but, um, but um, I'm gonna say, well, I guess, you know, we're going to get into that a little bit early. So the se- second part after the introduction, I usually say what well, the first time I met you or the impression or what I remember and why I appreciate you. 
So first things first, this is August, no, early September of 1997. Yeah. Uh, lining up, uh, uh, kickoff is already kicked off. This is the first game of the season, brand new season. We just won the 1996 Northeast Conference Championship. We just won the ECAC Bowl, uh, 1996 Bowl Championship starting a new season. Uh, we're hoping to repeat first game of the season. We're playing Buffalo State University. After the kickoff, I go out on the field to line up at my new position that I hated, but for the <laughs> team, outside linebacker. To my right, I do not know who's going to be playing cornerback. And out of nowhere, there's a kid wearing number 36, I believe. Yeah, 36. Scrawny, yeah, scrawny. Dark-skinned dude, big bug eyes, like he, you know, I could imagine again, you know, what he's thinking, but I'm looking like, who the hell are you? Who is this kid? <laughs> the next thing I know, fast forward is fourth quarter, and we're in a situation where we have to hold Buffalo State. If we hold them, we win. And uh there's a pass play to my right, ball goes over my head, and I thought I messed up, but the kid that I don't know and never seen before intercepts the ball. I turn around and run to block for him. And then Brian Dunn joins in on the fun and he scores the winning touchdown to get our season started at one and no. Again, we win. I'm looking at this guy. Who the hell is this kid? So that's the first time that I quote unquote met him. Why I appreciate him. Like a lot of the young guys that I got a chance to coach. He was a freshman my senior year. So I got to play with him and coach with him. That's one, he's one of the few that can say that. I got a chance to play with him as a senior uh, his freshman year. And I got to coach him his senior year for the undefeated national championship football season in 2000. So to watch the maturation process, because as men, we're supposed to grow and learn and become better men. And Absolutely. so to watch him continue mm -hmm. to grow is why I appreciate him. And, and, and uh, I thank him for agreeing to do this. Ladies and gentlemen, All-American uh, all cornerback, Nick Downs. How are you, my brother? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I appreciate and How it. was that introduction, though? How was the introduction? I mean, that was that was pretty spot on. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was a pretty spot on introduction. I was... I must say I was I was a little uh, surprised that first game myself. Um, I mean, I, most people don't know I was I was I wasn't new to football, but in football years I was probably still a baby. Um, I grew up in an area where baseball was the thing, and that was my thing. Uh, my dad would ask me all the time, do you want to play football? Do you want to play football? And I was like, nah, I was, I was great at baseball and I loved playing baseball. Um, and I only got into football because my freshman year in high school, there was nothing to do in the fall. And uh, so I was like, I'll try it out. And I ended up, it was a hobby for me, to be real. It was something to do that I was good at that kept me in shape for baseball along with track. And never in a million years did I think that September morning on 1997 that I'd be starting in college playing football. 
my plan was always to either be a pro baseball player or play somewhere in college in baseball. So it, I was just as surprised as probably everybody else. Good. And you know what? We gonna hold on that right there and go back <laughs> because all obviously this all had to start somewhere. So you're originally yeah. from the state of Maryland. So you're a part of the DC, uh, the DMV uh, pipeline that uh, has mm-hmm. produced, uh, a lot of uh, dogs. You know what I call dogs as far as football players. You know, shout out to the DMV area. That's the DC, Virginia, Maryland area. Um, and so, yeah, let's go back to the beginning. Where exactly you're originally from, and and how was it growing up there? Uh, I'm from I'm from it's called DMV. I'm from the Southern Maryland portion of DMV, Charles County, a a small town called Hughesville. Uh, for the big city guys, it's truly country. <laughs> um, I, I make jokes that you know I share a road with Amish people, and so you know, strange to. Be driving down the road and there's an Amish horse and buggy in front of you and you got to drive 10 miles an hour until you can find a spot to clear. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a kid, you know, my mom's a teacher in the school system. My dad is a heating and air conditioning guy. Um, and so, I mean, you know, I, I made no bones and, and don't apologize for, for growing up in a stable household with two parents and who pushed education. Uh, if it was up to my dad, I played any sports. Um, my, my mom kind of signed me and my brother up for baseball behind his back when we were younger. Seven and five. Shout out to mom. Shout out to mom. <laughs> for knowing, for knowing. Shout yeah. out to mom. Yeah, shout out to my mom. She uh, she got us into sports when we were seven and five, me and my older brother. And uh, my dad, my dad, he, he wasn't a holdout for too long. Um, thereafter, about a couple weeks, he came up and, and was our, our big, probably next to my mom, our biggest supporters throughout our life. In fact, he coached me in baseball until I was about mm, 12, 13. Um, and he's uh, and literally, he retired from umpiring this year. So wow. how many years? He was, a, he was a baseball umpire for Chuck's 30 years or so. And he wow. did did college he did little league uh he did travel and this year he decided he's done he's he's gonna retire from doing umpire and so he uh his his no sports was short-lived and uh <laughs> but yeah like i said before i grew up playing baseball and that was i was a I was a ricky henderson fan and a Deion sanders fan not the football sanders i knew absolutely nothing of wow just playing football. He was a New York Yankee and Atlanta Brave to me. That's all I knew. And uh, but Ricky Henderson and the Oakland A's were my team. You know, Dave Stewart, Dave Henderson. You know, Terry Steinbeck, Walt Weiss. I played shortstop, so I was a huge Walt Weiss fan. And uh, I was the leadoff batter, so Ricky Henderson was my man. And um, I, that's what I did. I played baseball. I played baseball, and I played baseball. My well, bro- how old were you when you started? I started base. I started t-ball when I was five, and and I played I played baseball every chance I got from five until literally my sophomore year in college, when uh, Coach Walton asked me, "Are you a baseball player or a football player?" 
And because uh, that's what I would do when I when I went home on break freshman year, I played travel baseball all summer long. Wow. Yeah. And so, and because uh, in my mind, I still wanted to play baseball. And, uh, you know, now playing football and knowing that there were guys out there that did both. Um, unfortunately, Robert Morris didn't have a baseball team, but I knew I could play travel baseball back here in Southern Maryland. So that's what I did. And uh, when I came back from my uh, last year travel baseball, basically him and Coach Rad were like, are you a baseball player or a football player? And I literally have not played organized baseball since. Wow. Wow. So we, and, and you know what, let's go ahead and dive into that then. So how difficult a decision was it for you? And how did you go through the process of making that decision? Okay. So it was a very difficult decision. Um, even through the recruiting process, um, I was recruited for track. I was recruited for baseball. I was recruited for football. And so there were schools that wanted me to play baseball. There were schools that wanted me to play football. There were schools that were gonna allow me to do both. And it was, it was, a, it was a truly a process. I, I did not make a college decision until literally March of my senior year. Um, I, I wanted to take all of my visits. I wanted to have my conversations. I wanted to always see what schools could do for me. And, you know, in retrospect, since we're having this conversation, um, I, I my, my initial plan was to go to another school because that school was gonna allow me to play baseball and football, and they were gonna give me money for baseball and football, you know? Um, but some things happened. The baseball coach got fired. The new coach came in. He wanted to go a different direction. Uh, but he did tell me, he said, hey, after this first year, if you still want to come, I'll have a spot for you. So my initial plan was to go to Robert Morris for one year. Oh. <laughs> another school. Wow. Um, mm. Only the only other person that knows that is my dad. Um, that was my initial plan when finally deciding to come to Robert Morris. Um, and the reason I chose to come to Robert Morris was because I, I had a great time on my visit. <laughs> I met I met some cool people. Um, the the guy that showed me around was a guy named Javarn O'Neill. People, especially Robert Morris guys, know him as Peanut. Peanut. I was introduced to him that way and in what almost 20 some years later we're still best friends and he was the best man in my wedding so we we talk often we, we hang out together we actually worked together for a while but uh that was that was my initiation into Robert Morris I came up on a on a weekend where they had a pub uh, there was a lot of stuff going on. Um, I got to meet a lot of cool people. I met, I met Smoke, Raymond Thomas. I met Fred. I met, uh, I, I met Nate briefly. Um, you just uh, named three all-time greats. Keep going. Yeah, I met Hank. Um, obviously, another all-time great. Hank was a Maryland is a Maryland guy too. So um, I met him. I met uh, 
Shucks, man, I think I met, I met a ton of guys. Deshaun, uh, Henry, I met uh, Cleary, I met I met Joe DiMaria, I met Matt Stasco, I met Paul Spire, I met all these guys on my visit, and they all they all treated me well, man. And uh, and the the main person, believe it or not, is is I met, uh, Coach Harper. Um, Coach Harper was he was is a great guy. Um, I think he saw something in me at that time that I didn't see in myself. Um, because in my mind, I want to play baseball. That's what I want to do. And every time I talked to him, we talked about baseball. We hardly ever talked football after that initial visit, contact. Uh, but we always talked every week. Um, you know, hey, what do you want to do? You know, what do you think? How's everything going? Most of the time when I talked to him, I was coming in from baseball practice. And uh, we, would, we would have that conversation. And ultimately I decided Robert Morris was the place for me to go, but I still had this plan that I was only gonna be there for a year because I'm, I'm not really that good. I'm just a, I'm just a guy that I'm, I run really fast and you know, I got decent hands. <laughs> you have to, to play shortstop. Um, you know, I'm five foot nine and I'm 160 pounds. Well, let me say this real quick, because <laughs> two things real quick, because uh, everybody know uh, greatest foot bat, uh, defensive mind, in our opinion, in football history, Dan Bad Rad Radakovich. Never met him. <laughs> I didn't. When I came up on my visit, Coach Walker, right. Puerto Rico, and I don't know where Coach Rad was, but he wasn't there. Coach Harper was there the entire time. I didn't meet any of the other coaches. I never even met Tracy until I showed up for camp in August. Oh, wow. But, but let me tell you this, though. But yeah. Rad's philosophy was to recruit guys who played more than one sport. I know. And, and I as a so as a so as a recruiter, uh, my, like, first, shout out to, secondly, to the greatest recruiter in Robert Morris <laughs> history, Dave Harper. Without a doubt. 100%. I'm, hey, guess what? I'm number two, and I and I, and I I challenge anybody <laughs> on that. I challenge anybody. They know better. But number one, hands down, the greatest recruiter in Robert Moore's history. I'm going to say the greatest recruiter in Northeast Conference history. Yeah. Uh, the current athletic director at University of Dayton, David Harper, guy that recruited me and so many dogs that ended up at Robert Moore's. Yeah. So, uh, um, and it's no surprise me that, you know, you're saying the things that you are saying about him. Again, we want to give people their flowers while they still here. So that's uh, Coach Harper, who's agreed to be a guest. Uh, I hope you hear this and showing that for you to know the impact that you have had. And I know we know that you can continue to have at University of Dayton, wherever you go. So baseball is your love been doing it yes. since age five you you so what age did you start playing shortstop uh well see i it was pretty interesting because i i shortstop on and off from my entire life uh, but when i was younger it was me my younger brother and my older brother were my dad coached us all because we're so close in age. There were times where we were on the same team. Um, the brother's two years older than me. My younger brother is three years younger than me. But in baseball terms down here, 
there were times where we'd be on the same team and they allowed us to move up because me, we were pretty good. And so my dad would not play me at shortstop. He would put me, oh. in, he would put me in center field. I would play third base. I'd play left field. I pitched. Um, and, you know, I would always want to play shortstop. And I played with some pretty good guys. As a matter of fact, uh, the one guy who, who, we would play shortstop, actually two. One guy would play shortstop. His name was Mike Brooks. He ended up playing, starting at Harvard for four years. Uh, the, and the other guy who played shortstop was a close friend of mine. His name was Ray Wright. He actually won a national championship at LSU playing baseball for them. So um, I, I wasn't playing on a team with guys that weren't good. <laughs> so Right, right, right. You know, but I always played center field because my dad would stick me out there because of my speed. I could cover ground. And um, when we would play all-stars travel team, I would shortstop. I'd play mostly outfield. I didn't start playing shortstop consistently until um, 13. I was pretty much consistently a shortstop. Um, I would play some outfield on my travel team because we had so many good guys and our coach would just rotate us around. Um, and then in high school, I played all shortstop. Um, so um, that was, and, and my dad's thing was about being versatile. Uh, he always used to te used to preach to us that if all you can do is do one thing, who do you think the coach is going to cut? The guy that can do eight different things or the guy that can do one thing? So. He, he had a method to his madness, um, even though I didn't necessarily like it. <laughs> because, you know, my, 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 my favorite player was Barry Larkin, which is why ultimately I switched to 11 when, uh, when, when the opportunity came. Um, I, 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 I idolized him as a shortstop, as, a, as a, you know, him and Ozzie Smith, I would have to say, are my two favorite shortstops of all time. Um, and uh, Jared Dieter, uh, Jeter a, a distant third, uh, just because just because I like the way they play. You know, I, I like the toughness. I, I I like the you know everything about their work ethic. And so uh, once I got once I got the opportunity to choose my number in college, I I picked eleven. Uh, okay, I got a question. I got I got a I got a baseball philosophical question for you. Okay. That's I don't play baseball, never played it. It is, and I'm gonna tell you this, because you see my arm. Mm -hmm. It is probably the only athletic regret that I have that I wasn't exposed to baseball. Yeah. Because brother man, I think I would have been all right. I think yeah. I would have been okay. I, I think I think people, especially in the African community, they give they don't understand the history of baseball, the Negro leagues. Um, like growing up down here, we had a we had a black baseball league. Like every Sunday for years. Wow. Uh, there were there were six or seven teams that were all African American, and they played it's called the Charles County League. And there's a there's another Charles County. Um, you know, and it's not exclusively white, but the majority of those guys are white, and we kind of had our own baseball league. You know, we had the Charles County Raiders and the, and the Houston A's and the Wacomico, uh teams and the Juries and 
and every Sunday, doubleheaders, you know, and we used to, as little, we used to go watch those games. You know, a lot of my cousins played, a lot of my, some of my uncles coached. And, uh, and so that we were exposed to baseball as not, it's not a restricted sport. You know, all you need is a bat and a ball, you know, and, and you, you know, it's not tennis where you got to spend tons of money. It's not, you know, it's not uh, any of these sports where it, it's kind of, it's not golf, so it, you know, where, where you got to spend tons of money on stuff, you know, love and a bat and, and any old kind of ball and find a field, um, you know, in our neighborhood. I, I grew up in a neighborhood with everywhere. And so we played softball, we played, you know, football in the street down in the yard. Uh, that that we, we just we just competed you know it wasn't competing because I think I'm going to be an NFL player or an NBA player or a major league baseball player it's just hey man who's the fastest who's the who's the, who, who's the best football player? Mm-hmm. baseball player who's the best basketball player and they didn't they didn't restrict you because of your age if you could play you were you played you know, you know, so I, I would play, you know, football in the street with guys that are in high school when I was in school, just because I was fast and I was decent and I, and I was a good athlete because that's all they cared about. I want somebody to athlete. And so even I think all of those lessons prepared me for Robert Morris, even though I really didn't have a ton of organized football experience. Um, you know, and when I, when I did start in high school, my dad videotaped every game. Mm. Literally, I didn't go to parties after games. I went home and got, and got critiqued by, by my sister, by my mom, by my dad. And we're watching a video and you think you've done something because you've rushed for 300 yards and four touchdowns and your little brother's like, hey man, you missed that hole right there. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of family, huh? Oh, oh yeah. Okay, okay. Sitting in films at Robert Morris, where you, you know you've been in them. Yeah, yeah, boy. Nobody's nobody's above critique. You know, Ooh, the eye no in the sky don't yeah, lie. No matter how good of a game you thought you had, yes, you sir. Know, you still could be better, and I learned that in my parents' living room. You know. From, from my little sister and my little brother and my older brother and my mom. You know, great tonight, but look how much better it could have been if you would have hit that hole or if you wouldn't have dropped that interception. Or and so, so it was a, it was a, you know, it was a training ground, not at the time that it was a training ground. Um, you know, All so. right. But back to that baseball philosophical question. Gotcha. Shortstop. That position uh-huh. shortstop. So I don't know much about baseball, but I do pay attention to the attention that's specifically <sighs> played on the shortstop position. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try to, you know, as a foot as a football coach and looking, you know, that recruit and looking for talent and, and unlearning more about different sports and movement more right. than anything. I picture the movement that is required on the baseball field specifically a shortstop and 
I'm trying to think what position on the football field on defense specifically and cornerback has to be the position because of, I will say, and anybody that understand the skill sets related to football, cornerback is the hardest. It ain't no, it ain't no debate about that. We, there should not be yeah. a debate about that. Stop it. All right. Pound for pound, <laughs> the hardest position to play on the football field when it comes to technique, when it comes to literally mas- mastering your body, especially the lower body and hips, and the ability to shift cornerback hands down so there is no other position i think that better compares it may be closest running back but cornerback by far so philosophically what relationship do you see related um to cornerback and 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 shortstop but also what is the mentality that one needs to have to play that position of shortstop we'll get into Uh cornerback when we get to college but right now just the essence of shortstop First, well, number one, uh, shortstop, you are, you are de facto the leader of that defense, along with the catcher, but the shortstop as well. Um, you know, you're, you're giving out signals. You guys are, you second baseman, you in the outfield, you know, you're, you're directing traffic, you know, depending on who's on base, nobody's on base, how many outs, um, most of the time, in a perfect world, your shortstop is probably the best athlete on your team um, mm. because of the range that it takes to play that position. Um, I, I, I have some... Un- un- <laughs> your tape is probably lost to, to time. Uh, there are some videotapes out there of some plays I made as a teenager playing shortstop that uh, people would just come up to me after the game and be like, man, I've never seen that before. And, and you know, and, and, and my, my high school baseball coach told me flat out that that's why he wanted me to play shortstop. Um, there was a guy who I was replacing, uh, his name was Ian Caballero, shout out to the Caballero brothers. Um, he's one of the best baseball players I've ever been around in my life. Um, ended up playing at VCU and uh I was I replaced him at high school and he was probably a better pure shortstop when it comes to just you know glove work and and stuff like that but I was a better athlete and you know and, and so there were things that he did that probably I had to work at but there were definitely things that came easy to me that he, even with work, couldn't even do. Um, you know, and so, so short, short stop, it's a leadership position. You know, okay. It, it, without without a doubt, I mean, most most people, especially younger people nowadays, when you say shortstop and leadership, it's Derek Jeter. Like he wasn't necessarily the best shortstop, but he's. He's number one on everyone's list for a reason. Um, he, he controlled that team, the tempo of that team. Um, you know, he was the he was the heartbeat of that team, um, and that's that's what shortstop is. You have to. It's it's a leadership position that if you're going to play that position, you have to be in a mindset to say, I got to speak up. I. I, I have to demand. I, I the guys have to respect me. 
you know, they have to respect me as a person. They have to respect me as a man. They have to respect the player. They have to, you know, I, I have to show every day. And, you know, I, I have to do my job well mm -hmm. so that I can demand other guys do their job well. And because if, if I'm not doing my job well or I'm not taking accountability for myself, I can't as a as a leader, as a man, I can't expect someone to follow me if I'm not doing my job in the first place. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's a leadership position without a doubt. Cool, cool. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, uh, as far as transitions from, uh, well, just for the sake of mentality and, and what, what connections do you see between shortstop and cornerback? As far as ath athleticism. Ath athleticism, I, I would say everything you said, <laughs> um, you have to be able, you got to have some quick twitch. You have to be able to move. Um, you got to be able to think on the fly. Uh, you have to have a short memory. Um, you know, you, 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 make, you make a bad playing shortstop, I guarantee you the ball is coming right back to you. So if you're dwelling on it, it's coming again, and you're going to make the same mistake. And it's the same thing as playing cornerback, you know. Um, I joke with the kids that I coach that I never got beat for a touchdown. <laughs> and they're like, they're like, I'm sure you did. I'm like, I don't remember. I don't know. <laughs> In my mind, no one ever beat me for a touchdown. I heard that. <laughs> I couldn't tell you when, where, high, or anything, because – you you can't dwell on that stuff, you know. You know you you're 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 gonna get me. I'm gonna get you, and I'm not gonna dwell on it because I'm gonna get you more than you get me. And I'm so, gonna tell you, uh, uh, Coach, <laughs> to please continue to preach that because I'm gonna tell you, my brother. I can say that wasn't the case for me. You know, yeah. I I was the one that held on the mistakes, and, and, yeah. and now of course I worked on my mistakes, etc. But I think that I would have been a, that much of a better football player if I did learn to let go, you know? So yeah. I think that's a very good message to uh, teach, especially, especially when it comes to athletics, because, you know, the game, there's so many more games to play and Without so many opportunities to shine and be better. So let go of those, learn from those mistakes, but don't hold on to them. Oh yeah. I, I, I try to, I try to, I, I remember something uh, Jeff Belts used to tell us to break down all the hours that we have workouts, all the hours that this, and how many actual game hours we played every year. And he followed up with what wasted. You only got games are two hours long and you play 10 or 11 games a year. So you're talking 22 hours and you probably worked out and put in time for 22,000 hours. So why why are you gonna waste those twenty two thousand hours by not being ready and prepared for those two hours? True that. Hey, if boy, you're gonna man. do that, if you're gonna do that, you might as well do something else. Yes, you're, you're, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your coach's time. You're wasting your teammates' time. And uh, yeah, man, I, I coach little league kids, but I I I treat them like we got treated. Like, yes, sir. <laughs> you know, I I. I I, I literally, it's a dumbed down version, but I teach them the same stuff that Rad taught us on defense. Yeah. You know, we don't yeah. backpedal. <laughs> Sir, you backpedal out of life. <laughs> <laughs> we don't backpedal out of life. Uh, you know, they are well versed in the mirror drill 
in the <laughs> and and you know we don't we don't pass out we don't take notes you know we we we, we go through situations and so i, I you know I, I respect the heck out of rad and what he taught us about defensive football um forcing coverage and you can do anything you want <laughs> yes sir this man and, and you got coverage behind it what you do anywhere else is your you can do anything you want and i try to teach them and instill that same stuff in them um you know and and you know because that's like that's really where i where i really learned football like high school was just completely off of just instinct i was a good athlete who they'd stick me at receiver, they'd stick me at running back. And next thing I know, I got 200 yards receiving, I got 300 yards rushing. And, but I didn't learn football in the sense of why we're doing X, Y, and Z. It's not just 11 guys running out there, running into each other um, until I got to Robert Morris. And ladies and gentlemen, you know, you're going to hear me say this over and over again, and it's for a reason, and you, my teammates will attest to this. We got coached by probably the greatest defensive football mind in the sport of football, and that's not a exaggeration. His NFL pedigree, his NFL and NCAA uh, 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 track record speak for it. If you don't believe you can look it up. Dan Bad Rad Radikovich. Uh, he is Joe, uh, excuse me, he is Joe Paterno's first star linebacker. He is the first linebacker to be in the stand up position. So, all the uh, middle linebackers and, and outside linebackers that you see standing up, Dan Radikovich is the first to stand up at outside linebacker. Uh, uh, he is responsible for the draft of Franco Harris, Hall of Famer running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was the offensive line coach for those Super Bowl championship teams uh, in the 70s for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So when we say football pedigree, we really mean uh, one of the greatest minds, a football historian uh, responsible for revolutionizing the game. And it's a bunch of college kids. They got to learn from him. And like he, uh, Nick just said, he didn't dumb down anything. We had to learn it as college kids. So yeah. we got the, the luxury of learning the NFL style offensive defense and learn how to think like an NFL coach. So we got a football education. So um, so we get to baseball, fast forward, shortstop at age 13, stop playing use travel ball, et cetera. You still, so when do you, are you in, no, no, let's talk about academics. Okay. How the hell is it growing up? We're having a teacher as a mama. Uh, probably every stereotype that uh, you can think of, uh, <laughs> and forget and, and don't forget, my, my my dad is a heating and air conditioning guy, but he left commercial work and took a job as a foreman at the board at the school of board of education. So wow. my dad could pop up any time of the day, anywhere, any classroom. My brothers, uh, they'll hate me if I tell these stories, and I, so I won't. <laughs> uh, my dad had some pop-ups, <laughs> and and uh, he used to tell us all the time, you know, you never know where I'm gonna be, you never know when I'm gonna pop up, 
so you better be right. And but my mom, I mean, having a mom as a teacher has its privileges, mm-hmm. has its uh, uh, cons. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows who your parents are when you're in school, you know. So you know, you you start mouthing off in class. Hey, look, I just go get your mother. You know, or, or, you know, your father is right across the street. So, um, you know, you know, that's not to say we were angels because we definitely were not. But when, when it came to academics, um, we weren't allowed to not take school seriously. Um, my, my, my parents set rules in place, um, you know, my, my, my younger sister probably probably copied them to the T better than the boys. Um, my older sister is older than all of us, so she was kind of out of the house uh, by the time we uh, were in the middle school, high school range. So my younger sister was in a house with three boys. And uh, she and she's one year younger than me, and most people thought we were twins because we have twin names. And we're literally, in high school, younger, we're the same, we're the same age. I mean the same height and uh and she's probably a better athlete than me <laughs> now now at 40 i don't mind saying that you'd have never gotten me that at 20 um you, you, you you'd have never got me to say that at 20 uh right. at 40 hindsight perspective uh she was probably a better athlete than all the boys in the house um and uh, as a duo, we probably, you know, I'll put mine and her high school and college uh, records up against anybody. <laughs> okay, okay. Except for probably Reggie and Cheryl Miller. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, now what were her sports? Uh, my sister played field hockey, basketball, track, softball. And then, and then in college, she played field. She was the star goalie on the field hockey team, and a starting forward on the basketball team. And the only reason she didn't play lacrosse is because she was doing ROTC at the time. And she's now a major in the United States Army. Tell her I'm <laughs> honored to interview her for this podcast. <laughs> but tell you why, because one of the major themes of the podcast is student athletes, and I want yeah. student athletes to see how what we did and all that work we put in, how it transitions to the real world. Yeah, it's a uh, so, funny. Yeah. It's funny you use that term because that used to be preached in our house regularly uh, that you are a student athlete, and if you cannot be a student, then you will not be an athlete. Yes, sir. So we were, it was ingrained in us that to pursue the athletic endeavors that we wanted to pursue, um, regardless of what they were, um, we had to have the grades. Um, my dad used to always tell us, I'll take you anywhere for whatever you want, but the moment that the grades slip, it's done. And so, you know, we used to, we used to, it used to be hard coming in that house with a B. Mm. We used to have to explain B's in our house. So, so when I see people now, oh, I got a C, I got a D, you you <laughs> in the house with a D. Like that just wasn't gonna happen. Um, 
sees you got, he really got it. Uh, you know, you know, hey man, I want to see you at this table every night studying. Bees, you had to explain. Um, here was my dad's philosophy. So I'll <laughs> for all my all I, all the whoever listens to this, um, and I have a seven and a five-year-old, and I have literally told them this before now too. And all my kids that I coach, this is my speech to them at the beginning of every year when it's before school starts. And I am not plagiarizing because it is Ernest Downs speech. Um, it my original speech. Uh, at the beginning of the school year, you are given a 4.0. Mm-hmm. From day one, you have straight A's. Anything you get after that is what you earned. Give you a B. She actually gave you an A. You got a B because of something you did not do. You got a C because you did not follow directions. Um, and so that used to be my dad's speech every year. Like, if you come in here with anything less than a, you know, that's the grade you earned. The teachers don't give out anything except what you earn. And so, yeah, we had to, we had to study. Um, I did have a habit of not bringing books home from school. Uh, was, I can read stuff and remember it very quickly. I, I did my work in school very quickly. Um, and so like, you know, I, I don't know if you've heard of the, the, the freshman year story where we're at the school book and Peanuts looking for me and I'm over buying almanacs because I love to read. Uh, I got a library out there. It's probably got 2,000 books. Maybe. Oh, wow. I don't know that story. Um, yeah. And so I, I I, I can I can retain information, and so I would I would not bring books home. My dad would be like, "Where's your work? I'm done. It's at school." So literally, my I had to bring my books home every single day with a book bag, big old book bag, carrying it to and from. Plus, I played the trumpet, so I'm carrying a trumpet and a big old book bag full of books back and forth to school every single day just because my dad did not want me to get, get to not know the fact that hey you have to study he would always tell us oh well if you're done there's something else you can study you know there's something else you can do you know start on next week's work do something like that and we're required to come home with our books every day without 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 uh without a fail. <laughs> mm. Like I said, I played the trumpet until I was in high school. Let's, let's go there. Let's go there. So I used to, I taught myself. Like I, I'm one of those people that hear by, play by ear. Mm-hmm. Hear one time, go on the piano, play it, play drums. Gotcha. Now, I know as a student, this is my wife called me. Yeah, I can hear you. All right, cool. Um, so, um, I can imagine as a student, we already know as as hard it is as a student athlete studying all that stuff you just said. Lord have mercy. Plus, being on the competitive field and making time to play and learn and study 
and yeah. instruments. Oh, so mm -hmm. were you in orchestra or were you a marching band? And so, tell me about your trumpet Okay, so in the school district here in Charles County, um, which is where I live now too, I'm, I, I'm, I'm back where I grew up. So um, in the school district here, in the fifth grade is when you're introduced per se to music. Um, you, you don't, you, and, and you get a little recorder. That's what we used to get. We used to do the recorders and different stuff and, and course, you're introduced to course and band. When you get in middle school, you pick an instrument. And so I picked the trumpet, um, you know, my, my cousin was a trumpet player, uh, obviously Louis Armstrong and, and stuff like that. So I wanted to play the trumpet and I was very good at playing the trumpet. Um, I was always first chair, you know, I can read music, but I can also play by ear. Um, and when I got to high school, I wanted to still play the trumpet. Like, you know, my mom taught at the high school that I, that I was going to attend. I had been to the jazz concerts. I had been to the big band concerts. Um, I'd seen the marching band come marching in. And so obviously I knew I couldn't do marching band if I was going to do football. But I wanted to do jazz band. I wanted to be a part of the band that went to the competitions and stuff like that. But um, I was quickly told that I couldn't play sports and be in the band. Oh, I said, okay. So literally at that point, I would just kind of play the trumpet in my house on my own. Um, I did a couple of things at church. Um, but other than that, I really didn't play my trumpet really that much after my freshman year in high school. Um, I was kind of disappointed because I, I considered myself an above average trumpet player and I wanted to pursue that as well. Um, you know, like I said, my parents taught us to be well-rounded. So in my mind, I wasn't just a football or a baseball player. You know, I'm, 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 I'm into my school. I'm into, you know, the, 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 the arts and, and, you know, I, I wanted to experience being in the jazz band and doing those things. And so when my sister came along, cause my sister played the flute and she was in the band too. And all of a sudden my sister's in marching band my sister's in band and I'm like, hold up. How can my sister be in the band when they told me I couldn't be in the band if I was playing sports? In hindsight, I understand they didn't want me doing anything but playing sports. They wanted me to go to school and play sports and that's it. And so um, if, if I had to turn back the clock, I might've pushed that and fought it a little bit harder. Um, now that I understand that the only reason they didn't want me in the band was because they wanted me on the football field and on the baseball field. Uh, but, um, you know, it, it worked out. Um, so, I, you know, I, I definitely, you know, want my kids to to at least try and, 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 and master an instrument or something like that. I don't want them to just be a sport kid or, or, or be on one thing. I want them to be well-rounded. And let me say this, as an educator for 22 years, the message to educators, the future of what education as we know it and what it's evolving into, especially with the, all the changes uh, with the COVID-19 virus.
it is imperative that we encourage and try ways to support our young people that are well-versed in multiple arenas versus restricting them for our own personal gains. Yes, it would require a lot of work and sacrifice on that young person, but we should give them the choice, not make it for them. So, because we know that he's a brilliant athlete, but we the world possibly lost a very good trumpet player. So I say all that to say, let's encourage, and if the, the child express interest and shows potential to take all that on, let them be the ones to make the decision. Don't make it for them as adults. I wanted to make that point. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I still, I my mom, mom, to this day, my mom still says, why, why don't you play your trumpet? And I'm like, mom, I ain't played my trumpet in 20 years. <laughs> like, there's no way in the world. <laughs> now, I will say this, my brother. <laughs> as an outlet, as an outlet, I'm going to highly encourage you to go pick that thing up more often. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm going to encourage you and I'm going to also encourage you to not play pieces from other people but create your own Yeah, you know what I'm saying because you don't know not to say that it's going to turn into something but that could be your thing you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying and, and and you don't know you know now I'm thinking like a scientist in the brain. right <laughs> <laughs> that you obviously built that up somewhere in your brain yeah. And it's there and that the foundation is there. It won't, it's like riding a bike, brother. We put a little extra effort and you know, yeah. make some time for it in your 24. Mm -hmm. But I'm telling you, I'm in my spirit is telling me to tell you, you need to go ahead and pick that thing up, bro. It, it, it's, it, it's calling your name. It's, it's, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm, I, might, I might have to dust it off. I might have yeah. to dust it off. My kids would probably get a kick out of that. <laughs> Absolutely. Because I'm going to tell you, it may not be you, but it might be your, one of your children. Yeah, you know what I'm absolutely. You spark that thing again, but again, you being creative and create something with them. You know oh, what yeah. I'm saying? You know, so, you're right, man. Yeah, you know, you're right. You, so, you, you definitely right, man. But no, my, I got, I got a little lucky. My, my mom moved schools. My friend, mm -hmm. and she's still at that school. My, this is my mom's fiftieth year of teaching high school. Salute, so, salute. The educator been in fifty years. Salute, <laughs> salute, salute. Yeah, she, uh, she, she, she is a dedicated uh, teacher of young minds, and uh, she loves doing it. We we mess with her all the time about you know why don't you retire? These kids are crazy. Uh, <laughs> they're crazy, but uh, she she every year she re she re ups again. And uh, she shows up, and so um, I, I'm, I'm again. I'm prepping, having that conversation at the end of the school year, but I already know what the answer is going to be. Leave me alone, get out my face. And uh, <laughs> so you know, so and, and my dad still works too. You know, my my dad still, but he's he's a he's a little bit more semi-retired in his job, but he's earned it. Um, he, he's earned it doing what he's done. And you know, you know his 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 uh his his higher ups give him the ability to make his own schedule. So he's usually home by one two in the afternoon, and you know he so he he's like you know until until they tell me I can't be there anymore, I'm gonna show up. And, uh, right. and so so no they they are they're hard workers. They work. Um, you know they're from that generation where you know that's you go to work you take care of your family and you know you work hard you wake up 
you know, I, I'm, I wake up at like, I use, I'm usually up at about four in the morning, <laughs> sometimes earlier. Uh, and uh, I, I try to get work, not some work knocked out before my kids wake up. So, so I can, uh, you know, cause I, I with COVID, I, I got two days of homeschool and my wife's got, you know, three days. So, you know, so I, I try to do my part, but but no, my I come from a, and it's not just my mom. I mean, my uncle was a was a high school teacher for a long time. My cousin right now is a principal. So on my mom's side of the family, they they are education was always pushed, and you know, uh, you, you go to go to college. I mean, I was I was the first male on my dad's side of the family to go to college. But on my mom's side, everybody, everybody's, everybody either goes to college or joins the military. And I mean, served in the military before, before he started doing his work. But, uh, but yeah, on my dad's side of the family, you know, for different reasons, uh, college wasn't an option. And uh, and so, um, I I was. I was fortunate enough because my older brother joined the Navy when he got out of high school. So I was fortunate enough to be the first male on my dad's side of the family to go to college. So. Okay. So let's get to high school. You finally start playing football. What age and what position and what was your okay. high school football experience like? So, so it actually started the year before all of my friends that I played baseball with growing up, the majority of them did play football. They would ask me every year, hey, do you want to play? Do you want to play? I'm like, nah, man, I play baseball. That's it. Leave me alone. And when I was in eighth grade, I understood that I might have to try football when I got to high school. So one of my teammates, his father coached a uh, Pop Warner team down here, a uh, guy named Mr. Escalopio. Uh, his son was the quarterback, Danny. Uh, his other son, Aaron, was a tight end. But they, I played baseball with them, so I knew them. And so I signed up and I played on their team. So my first position in football was nose tackle. Um, <laughs> That's hilarious. Now, the method to his madness, because I was small and I was fast and quick, so I would line up over the center and literally as soon as the ball moved, I was in the backfield. And so I knew nothing else about football. Like I just knew that as soon as that ball moved, this dude's not as fast as I am and I can cause some havoc in the backfield. So I played nose tackle and I wanted to play offense, but he never put me on offense. Never. And I would bug him. I, hey man, let me, let me, I'm fat. I didn't play receiver. Danny's got the arm. He can just throw it up. And, you know, so don't ask me why this one night I just walked over to him. I said, Mr. Escalopio, if you put me in that receiver, I'm going to score. And if I don't score, I'll go sit on that bench the rest of the year and I won't ask you anything. And he looked at me. He said, go ahead in. <laughs> I went in the receiver and I'm thinking – because of the conversation we just had, he gonna call a nine route. I'm gonna run past this dude. Danny gonna put it up. 
I'm gonna catch it, and boom, I'm gonna be playing receiver for the rest of the year. Man, he called a little quick out, like one of them little step back stop passes. Like I'm like, you, I'm like, he set me up for failure. So the ball gets snapped. Danny, th- Danny turns to the side to throw it. The defensive end reads the play and gets a tip on the ball. So now the ball's up in the air. And all I'm thinking is, I need the ball. Catch the ball, and Mo, I just took off, brother. I'm zigzagging. I'm running across the field. Scored a touchdown. <laughs> and me and my buddies are celebrating and all that good stuff. And I spiked the ball. And of course, <laughs> that later. I spiked the ball, come back to the sideline, and I played receiver uh, every game after that. And literally, I scored a touchdown in every single game, sometimes two, after the Danny throwing me the ball. And so when I went to high school, I'm like, you know what? I might play receiver. Well, I'm out in the backyard throwing my little brother and being a shortstop, I got a decent arm. And the my neighbor across the street was a guy named Rodney Butler, who is an all-time great high school quarterback in Southern Maryland, literally threw no interceptions for two years. And, and so I'm like, you know what? And he, we're about the same height. I'm like, man, if Rodney can play quarterback, I didn't play quarterback. So I went out for quarterback. And that didn't last very long. Um, good. I could throw a baseball, but I couldn't throw a football. And I, I moved to wide receiver. And our team was terrible. Hello. Terrible, Mo. When I say terrible, we did not, we went 0 10. And, you know, I was not used to never winning. I, I, you know, I, I would, I played on a really competitive baseball team. We were always in the championship. You know, we didn't win all the time, but we, we were always considered one of the best teams in this area. And so it was frustrating, man. I, I hate, I, I hated it. I, I was close to never playing football again. I would give me, I just play baseball and that, I can't deal with losing like this, man. Like, I, so, you know, of course, year goes around and uh, the, the football coach is like, you know, are you going to play? And I was this close to saying, nah, man, I'm going to go play fall baseball and, and call it a, call it a night and, and, but something in me said, yeah, yeah I'm a play. So he switched me from receiver to running back. And we went nine and two after here. But so the, the backdrop is we were all freshmen my freshman year. Now we're all sophomores. And then we all become juniors. And we, us combined with other guys, we end up winning our conference. And then my senior year, well, my junior year was when, was really when I when I kind of was like, okay, maybe I'm pretty good at this football thing. So my junior year, I scored 
a touchdown nine different ways. Oh, wow. What's the most unique ones? Uh, I blocked the kick, picked it up, ran it back. Right. Kick. I returned the punt. I ran for a touchdown, threw for a touchdown, caught a pass for a touchdown. <laughs> um, wow. The fumble for a touchdown. Um, and so basically, uh, they created a, um, an award. You know, you got first team all conference, second team all conference. Basically created an award called the special teams award. And I got first team all conference as just an all around tool. And so that was, that was my thing. Like, uh, they, they put in the papers, Mr. Versatility. And, you know, it's kind of funny because when you think about what my dad did in baseball, where he made me do so many different things saying, you, you know, you got to be able to do different stuff. And it, it, it kind of came to fruition my junior in high school where I just, it was, I was always around the ball. Um, and, you know, and when you're, when you're fast <laughs> and you get the ball in your hands, you know, and, and I was not the fastest track guy. You know, there, there, were, there was, actually, I had a teammate in high school who was, him and his brother were way faster than me on the track. But on the football field, I was the fastest dude out there. Um, and, you know, there's a difference between straight line speed and, and speed with them pads on and cutting and doing all that other stuff. And so um, I was I was not because I'm pretty sure some of my friends hear this. They'd be like, dude, you're not the fastest. I'm not. I, I was not the fastest guy in my high school. I was not. And, you know, that may be hard for some Robert Morris people to believe, <laughs> but not the fastest guy in my high school. I was not the fastest guy on the track. Um, but on a football field, I was one of the best athletes and probably the fastest guy. Um, and then my se my senior year. It just ended up um, kind of repeating itself. I think I scored like six or seven different ways my senior year. Um, you know, I was, then I ended up being first team all smack at wide receiver and cornerback and second team at running back. And so it was like, um, like I was just, a, I was, I was a utility tool. They put me where, where I can make an impact and, um, you know, I mean, you know, we all grown, you know, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sorry if, if they hear this and feel offended, there wasn't nobody else on my team that was good my senior year. <laughs> um, it, you know, we had a couple guys that were decent that, that, that went and played some D3 ball and stuff like that. And, and, and I will say this, I, I'm going to scratch that, skill guys, there were any good skill guys. Our offensive line was ridiculous. Like, and our coaches took advantage of that my senior year. You know, we we kind of dumbed down our offense and went mostly from I formation, power I, and let our offensive line do their work. And, uh, and, and they did pretty much most nights. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I really probably was like, oh, you know, maybe I'm pretty good at this football thing and it's not just a dude running around on a field was my last two years of high school, which was probably um, allowed for me to really think playing in college was even an option. Um, because up until that point, 
football was just a hobby. It was just mm -hmm. I did to hang out with my friends and I just happened to be decent at it. It wasn't something that I thought that I was gonna be on TV one day for or, or something like that. Um, I, baseball was still the one thing for me. Um, but once the, once the recruiting stuff hit, um, because I played shortstop, baseball became less and less of an option uh, because most coaches were honest and they were like, look, I can find a shortstop around the corner I need pitchers. I need guys that are left-handed. I need catchers because they are. Those are unique uh, skill sets. And uh, I did not want to be a catcher. <laughs> Man, I heard that. My younger brother was a catcher and a darn Ooh. good one. But uh, I did I did not want to be a catcher to any stretch of the imagination. And so it was not, uh, you know, it was, like, like I said, coming full circle, you know, it was like, I had this one option to play baseball, but I would have to wait a year to do that. And so that's when I really honed in on where can I play football for a year. Um, and ultimately, Robert Morris became that uh, year. Yeah. So <laughs> now let's get to the story. Like I said, I told you, the first, ladies and gentlemen, the first time. I can officially say I quote unquote met this guy was on the field. Yeah. So you said you got some uh, story that again, I need you to fill this gap for me. Okay. But also you get, you said there's only a few people in the school history that knows this story. And Correct. so again, some things, you know, transpire first game of the season. Uh, uh, we're starting the first game of the season. We don't know who's going to be starting that cornerback and you are on the field. How the hell did that happen? So, oh, oh, before that, what was your recruiting process first? And then how the hell did that happen? That is actually a funny story too. And I think I told Coach Harper this before. So I went to only one, you know, I know nowadays kids go to all these different camps and all this other stuff. I was busy playing baseball, man. I ain't had time to go to no camps. There was camp that I got invited to at the University of Maryland that I went to. And then there's a there's a um, Ebenezer AME church here. Every year they do a thing called a pigskin classic. And it's a bunch of HBCUs here. And Robert Morris was at that. And so, you know, when you're doing that, you're just dropping tapes off, you know, you know, you're you're dropping, you're dropping your tapes off. And my recruiting was basically spearheaded by my dad. My, my my high school coaches did not assist me, football coaches, because I don't want to say, because my baseball coach was an advocate. He tried to help me out. Even uh, the, the track coach tried to help me out. But my high school football coaches, unfortunately, because back then football was not that big in Charles County. So it was not uh, something of importance. And so I got no assistance. So my dad literally borrowed tapes from the high school and then the tapes he had of himself. And we basically spliced my highlights together with a couple games at the end. So my highlight tape is probably one of the rawest highlight tapes you've ever seen that you can tell it was done by an amateur. 
um, made about 50, 60 copies and sent them out. And we dropped one off at every single table at the Ebenezer thing. And I went to the University of Maryland camp. So fast forward, it's springtime. I'm coming home from baseball practice and I walk in the house and my dad says, uh, Robert Morris called. And my answer was, okay, what school is he with? <laughs> He's like, no, Robert Morris is the school. The gentleman's name is Dave Harper. When he, he, saw, he saw your tape and he wants to talk with you about possibly coming up for a visit. And at that point, I was not tied to anybody. And so I was like, cool. Plus, I had learned that as long as I went on a recruiting visit, I could miss school and it wouldn't count against me. And so I was all for it. So I talked to Coach Harper. We talked about football a few times. He invited me up. And I know it was February that I came up because Coach Walton was gone. I don't know where Coach Rad was, but he wasn't there. And matter of fact, nobody was there. It was me and Coach Harper. He put in a highlight tape with Tim Hall. Tim Hall, Tim Hall was, was on the highlight tape. His jersey was sitting right beside the TV over in John Jay, the original offices, back over in John Jay. So that, me and my dad and Coach Harper, we talked a little bit. We went and visited the missions. And then uh, maybe Peanut was getting out of class and he came up and he introduced us to Peanut, and that was my, that's who I was with the whole weekend. I hung Peanut, and so I'm sitting in the room with him and his roommate George, and all I hear is God, these dudes guiding and stunning and all of this stuff coming down the hallway. See these dudes come walking by that look like they come out of a bodybuilding magazine. And, you know, ultimately later, it's Luther, it's Deshaun, it's, it's Smoke. And I mean, these dudes are put together. And so in my mind, I'm like, man, I'm gonna hang out here for a weekend. There ain't no way I'm playing college. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know there, ain't, there ain't no way I'm playing. If, if dudes look like that, I ain't playing no college football. I'm gonna hang out here and have a good time. And cause my dad never, he never forced me he never imposed his opinion on me of a school. He would always ask me, how was the visit? Cool. And then we just talked yeah. or whatever. And so, um, you know, I met those guys. Um, then I met Hank and uh, Brian Beveridge, Bev. Uh, I met uh, Jonathan uh, Watts, uh, Billy Jones. Um, and then that night there was a, a pub. So I met a bunch of people at the pub. Then I was in G5 and I met Nate briefly and I met Joe D. Maria and Cleary and all those guys, Fire, Stasco. Um, and they were, like I said, they were all nice to me. It was all cool. Um, and then, man, I went home and, and truthfully at that point, Robert Morris wasn't very high on my list other than I had a nice time. And, you know, I, I just didn't think I could play football there. Um, but once the issue happened at the other school, which was really my number one choice, and I'm like, okay, I've got to go somewhere for a year. And Coach Harper had been really, really awesome throughout the process. 
I mean, he called me once a week regularly. We talked. Um, he was honest. Um, you know, he, he he was like, look, you know, he promised me nothing. You know, he was just like, everybody here competes. That's just, you know, he's like, you're going to get an opportunity to compete. And so um, I remember driving up. Uh, like I said, going to college was the very first time I was leaving my house and knew I wasn't coming back. <laughs> I'd taken baseball trips. I'd gone to baseball uh, tournaments for a week, for week, two weeks, but I knew I was going back home. You know, so uh, going to college was five hours away from home was the first time I knew, hey, when I get here, my parents are going to get in their car and they're going to go home. The, the saving grace for me was my roommate was somebody I knew. My roommate was a guy named Dan Holton, who, uh, believe it or not, me and him were one and two in player of the year for Southern Maryland Athletic Conference. He ultimately won it. I came to second place. And my family knew his family from church and a bunch of other different things. And so that was kind of my saving grace, was at least my roommate was somebody that I knew I didn't have to try and get to know somebody um, from another state. Um, and so that that kind of helped. Um, but yeah, my parents dropped me off and see you later. <laughs> you know, you know, see, see you later. But uh, I do remember <clears throat> the one conversation my father had with Coach Harper that I knew about was he he told Coach Harper you take care of my son. And Coach Harper, and he, he, he explained, he's like, I'm not worried about him sports-wise. I'm not worried about him academic-wise. I'm worried about him social-wise. Can you take care of my son? And it's a promise he kept. And so my dad has the utmost respect for Coach Harper um, to this day. <clears throat> he always double-checks with me. Hey, how's Coach Harper doing? Um, so that's how I ended up there. And in the very first practice, you know, I don't know anybody. Well, it wouldn't be the first practice. It would be the first practice with the whole team. Yeah. That first week was just freshmen. So the first practice with the whole team. Um, I still don't, I don't know anybody. I know Dan uh, Holton. I know, I know Peanut because he was my, he was my uh, my recruiting guy, and it was so funny. By the way, he did tell me he was like, "If you can go somewhere else, go." <laughs> I'm just that's what he told me. He was like, he was like, "Man, my advice: if you got anywhere else to go, <laughs> go." He didn't know that I had somewhere else to go, and my plan was to only be here for a year, and then I was going to go somewhere else. And first practice, whole team. You know, we're going through drills and we get to one-on-ones. And Jake's the quarterback and Delonte is out there at receiver. Now, to me, he's just a guy. I don't know who it is. Right. It's Delonte Perkins, like this dude runs like a deer. <laughs> yeah. And Coach Harper's like, hey Nick, I want I want you out there. And I'm like, man, I'm like, mm -hmm. probably the the least dudes you want out there. <laughs> like, right. like, I'm about to get embarrassed. 
but I kind of let my natural instincts take over. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm three yards off, I'm a yard inside, and Dante takes off, and he runs that classic Joe Walton stop route, you know? <laughs> and all I saw was him plant his foot, and when he planted his foot, I took off. And I was a half a second from picking it off, but I ended up knocking the ball down. And so I see some heads shake, some heads whatever, and I don't think nothing of it. Fast forward to the next week where we're doing our first scrimmage at Aliquippa. Yeah. And, you know, they're like, okay, first team. And I'm like, my name's at the top. You know, and, you know, at that point, I know smoke. I know people. I'm like, these dudes should be up there before me. My name's at the top. So I go out there with the first group. We run our 12 plays. And then Coach Harper was like, okay, y'all are done. I'm not thinking he's talking about me because I'm a freshman. This group's ready to go out. I'm ready to run on the field. And Coach Harper's like, Nick, y'all done. I'm like, so you mean I don't go out there no more? He's like, nah. I called my dad that night. I said, yo, I, I don't really know what I did, but I only got like 12 plays. And he told me I was done. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Right. <laughs> and so I went through training camp really, you know, not knowing. My goal at that point was, hey, look, if I can make a special teams, if I can return punts, if I can return kicks, if I can be on some special teams, I'll at least get to travel. And, you know, maybe this year will be worth it because I'm not going to be here anyway. And when... The, the names come out at the beginning of the week for Buffalo State. I'm at the top. I'm like, okay, all right. I'm like, I guess I'm starting. And so I call, you know, I, I would talk to my dad every single week before every single game. No, not, not a missed call. So I was like, hey, look, looks like I'm going to be starting this week. Um, I mean, at least my name's at the top. Whatever that means is what it means. I, you know, I, I don't know. I'm new to this. So he's like, we'll be there. And so, you know, my dad, my parents were there. Some of my dad, some of my family friends were there. Um, and so, I mean, I'm I'm still, and I have this bad habit where I do not sleep before big games, even baseball. I, I, it was just a thing. Like, I, I would stay up till 2, 3 in the morning. I was, and that night before, Buffalo State was a pub. <laughs> and so I'm up and I'm walking around. I'm walking around campus up because like, I couldn't go to sleep. And I went to the pub for maybe five minutes. Well, some, somehow it got back to Coach Walton that Nick was at the pub. Anything to me till after the game. But somehow, somebody, that's when I found out Robert Morris is a, is a, is a big high school big high school <laughs> somehow he found out that i had gone to the pub i didn't i wasn't doing anything i just could not sleep and so you know i showed up got dressed we get out there the first that first play and i don't know if you remember i should have had an interception on the first play of the game they brought her in motion and he ran out in the flat and i opened up facing the sideline instead of opening up facing the field in coverage. Uh, uh, he caught the ball literally inches in front of me where I would have opened up the right way, 
I would have got to pick that first play. And so, and, and O'Connell was yelling at me. <laughs> and O'Connell was yelling at me. And I had a decent, I had a decent game up until that fourth quarter. I, I was, um, you know, a couple passes defended. But that last play, you know, they were, your guy was here, my guy was here, and he ran out, and I jammed, and I opened up facing. The fight, right, yes. <laughs> and so when I turned inside, I saw the quarterback getting ready to throw it, and I actually got a funny story about, about him after this. I saw him getting ready to throw it, and I saw the receiver out the corner of my eye break out. And so... Classic look search to him. I just served. And then, like I said, you you turned and it done came flying by me and it rest was a blur. Next to <laughs> I'm spiking it. Yeah. Everybody's jumping on me. And we get to the sideline. Coach Harper gives me a big hug. And Coach Walker comes over and whispers in my ear, I'll take the penalty this time, but don't ever do that again. Right. <laughs> so, you know, Coach Walton was a straight-laced guy, man. He, he wanted you to do your job and act like you've been there before, and I can respect that. And so, um, you know, but, yeah, he, 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 t- he was like, look, he was like, you know, we don't, I'll take it this time, but don't ever do that again. And so I did. <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I got to talking to at dinner by my dad. He literally said the exact same thing. He was like, man, we don't do that. He was like, Watch your team the game, like you know, because they get 15 yards, and now now you got to play defense again. And he's like, no, nah. he's like, you don't do that. And so I was like, all right, and uh, but it felt good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it felt good. It made me think I belong. Um, and so you know, so yeah, so I mean, the fr- you know, and of course Dante, Dante was like, man, you get an interception your first game. <laughs> four years waiting on the interception. <laughs> hey, speaking of Dante Payne, who I interviewed a couple of months ago. Okay. And I let again I'm gonna tell audience like I told you last time we spoke. I cannot wait to put that one out because Dante first, Payne. Let me, let me answer your question. Let me yeah. answer one question about the story that only so the that's people right, that's right. So the people are you know, bad rad, who's, who's gone, who's deceased. Brian Dunn, John Rayford, Dante Payne, and I believe Nate was in on the story too. So I Nate knows you can confirm that with him when you talk to him. So here is the story. And Rad did not tell me this until my senior year. He was like, the only reason you started was because those guys were seniors. They've been here four years. And I wanted to make sure they were comfortable with whoever was going to be at that corner position. So I only started because I got the approval of Dunn, Roach, Dante, and I believe Nate. Um, that is, and, it, and of course, it's not that I wasn't a good football player. But Rad wanted to make sure that those guys who had worked so hard to put Robert Morris on the map uh, were comfortable with a freshman or whoever they chose. He said, they chose me. And because he said, because they chose me, he went along with it. 
So that is how I ended up on your that September. Yeah, <laughs> that, that is crazy. And, and I will say to to this day, those guys, those guys were my biggest supporters. Those guys were were my mentors. Um, you know, those guys uh, helped me uh, learn football the way Rad wanted football to be learned. Um, and, and and of course, Dante was my. If there was no Dante Payne at Robert Morris, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Uh, yeah, man. Oh, speaking of, check it out. So here's your, here's what I want you to do. You said that you've been campaigning for Dante Payne to get into the Hall of Fame um, every since the day that you got in. Without a doubt. So I'm going to give you an opportunity right now to plead your case. Why should one of my favorite teammates of all time, one of your mentors, why should Dante Payne be elected to the Robert Morris University Football Hall of Fame? I mean, I, I think it's number one. I mean, you take emotion out of it you take personal 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 out of it i mean part of this like i said without dante i do not exist period in the conversation and but i think what has happened with hall of fame not just at robert morris but in sports in general it has become the hall of very good it has become the hall of numbers so i was i was great and I had numbers, so it was easy for them to put me into the Hall of Fame. Brian Dunn was great, and he's got numbers. It's easy to put them into the Hall of Fame. But Dante had something that allowed me and Brian to get numbers. Nobody would throw the ball over there. Yes, sir. Tell them about Dante Island. Dante Island is a real place. <laughs> Never gonna die, and you know there are tapes I can show you where literally the quarterback wants to throw the ball over there, but the receiver is laying on the ground. <laughs> it was ridiculously out of this world. Ooh, say that one more time, brother. There were there were plenty of times we'd be sitting in tape, and you can see the quarterback wanting to throw Dante's way, but he double pumps and the receiver's on the ground, so he can't throw the ball over there. And that double pump allows a sack. That double pump allows him allows the quarterback to be late somewhere else where where I can knock a ball down or Dunn can pick a ball off or somebody can get an interception. Dante took away half the field, period. Now, ladies and gentlemen, for those who don't understand the sport or those who really do know the sport, Dante was our Deion Sanders. Yeah. He would literally shut down half of the field. And if you look at the size of the football field, you look at when wide receivers, specifically in, in, in the defensive backs, when a cornerback can shut down half of the field, that means the rest of the 10 people are responsible for the other half of the field in the passing game. That's a huge advantage when one player can do that to the star receiver of the other team. That gives the other cornerback, the safety, and the other rest of the team to rotate to do all kind of fun things where a person like Nick Downs with his instinct able to adjust and literally it's pickings because 
it's designed that way, but you need the right players. So boxing, uh, Dante's background with boxing allowed him to jam receivers off the line uh, before they get off the line, which is an art. Yeah, Dante is hands down, bar none. I don't care about stats. I don't care about anything else. Um, I don't care if they say, oh, Nick, but you had the most interception yards and you and Brian Dunn are tied for the most interceptions in the season. I don't care. Um, Dante Payne is the best cornerback to ever play at Robert Morris University. And I'll put him up against anybody past, present, future. Uh, Dante deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Dante should have been in the Hall of Fame before me, before Brian Dunn, before my man Ray Thomas, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't mind I say that, um, before any secondary person that has ever been in the Hall of Fame, Dante Payne should have been first. He should be next. Um, <laughs> he deserves to be in the Robert Morris Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame should not be just about numbers. The Hall of Fame should be about your impact on Robert Morris student as an athlete there. And yeah. the bottom line is, and I'm pretty sure Rad would say the same thing, Dante Payne was an integral part of this school that just started a football program in 1992, becoming what it was so quickly because he had a guy over there that he knew all I had to do was say, you got man, and end the discussion. Yeah. Everybody else can do <laughs> Yeah. Dante literally said that to me. Uh, you know, I went up to him one time about some defensive calls. I was like, man, what, you know, what's Rad talking about with this, with that? What, you know, what do we do? He's like, Nick, we got man. <laughs> else do. He was like, we got man. And, and I was still, you know, like I said, I was still new to football. I, I wasn't as confident, still not as confident in my abilities as a cornerback. You know, I was a good athlete. It wasn't until the Georgetown game, my freshman year. And because <clears throat> remember, Georgetown had just smoked Duquesne the week before. And they had a receiver that was supposed to be all everything. And we didn't flip flop sides. We didn't chase receivers. But that week, Dante was supposed to follow this kid all over the field. And we're warming up. And literally, during warm-ups, Dante walked over to me. He said, man, I don't care what Rad says. I ain't following that dude nowhere. If he come to your side, that's your man. And I, th I don't think he had any catches that game. Regardless. Mm. Um, and we obviously blew the doors off of Georgetown. So, yes, sir. Um, I'm gonna tell you again. I thought, yeah, this is, I want to continue the energy of the Georgetown game because yeah. the Georgetown was game was dead again. They was talking Joe. Oh yeah, yeah, mad, mad. <laughs> and 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 you know what's funny? I, you can attest to this because uh, I brought it up with Dante as well. Was the in the locker room right before the game? We the energy was terrible. It was horrendous. And I could not understand what it was. I think it was possibly more of being the last time playing together, again, the original freshman class all yeah. playing for that, you no, know, for the for the last time, more than anything. But Walton picked up on it. 
And it was, again, a, a, a play that Jake Newman made on the scramble to, to really break the ice. But more so important, though, when it did click for us, it was beautiful. You yeah. talk about, first of all, they were so outcoached, it was bad. I yeah. mean, stupid outcoached. But what we did on that field, on that turf in D.C., and you got to mm-hmm. do it, you know, close to home. I can imagine yeah. the excitement and family, that, you know, and people that can come. But that game was so dope. And and, and I got a real uh, wide shot of the field with all of us on. I got to get uh, it's a play right before doing a play. But I got to get that blown up. But, yeah, mm-hmm. man, Georgetown, man, that was a fun game. So, yeah, uh, yeah. so you said that guy didn't catch. You don't think he caught a pass? I don't think he caught anything on – regardless of what side he was on. Um, you know, but like I said, that game, you know, Dante saying that to me before that game, knowing that all week we had practiced that me and Dante going to stand in the middle of the field. And I don't even remember the kid's name. So that lets you know what he actually did in the game. Um, whatever, me and Dante were supposed to stand in the middle and whatever side this kid went to, that's where Dante was supposed to go. But, and, but for, people who don't understand we didn't flip sides like we, you played right you played left sometimes you're on the boundary sometimes you're on the wide side of the field we only flip sides and twins or trips or stuff like that and in certain defenses we didn't flip sides like we didn't right. first like yeah. if you know we just didn't and so for that whole week to be our focus was like remember Dante's got him and then for Dante to walk up to me and say, look, I'm not chasing nobody, man. <laughs> you you, you can cover him. That's your guy if he's on your side. Hey, I'm going to tell you this, Nick. I think part of it was definitely confidence in you. But we got to remember who this is. Dante yeah. Payne. Dante was like, I ain't doing all that chasing, all that running. <laughs> he's he's like, a big man, time ass out. He's like, man, I'm not chasing nobody. He was like, if you can cover him, if that dude is on your side, he ain't that good. Right. And and I, I do, I, I literally, in, in, in hindsight, in reflection, for four years at Robert Morris, there was never a game where we were facing a group of receivers that I thought could hold the candle to our receivers. I, even, I, even our scout team guys, I that we had better receivers that we went up against in training camp and practice than we ever saw on Saturday. I'm so glad you said that too, because I'm realizing that that's a, a theme. I heard it in Last Dance with Michael Jordan and talking about how hard practice was. I've heard it in an interview with Kobe Bryant and talking about how hard and competitive practice is. So by the time the game happens, that it's not. And I think that, that we assume that that's the case for everybody in all teams. And we know really that is not. It's not. Uh, especially for us, we 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 were definitely on the mental side prepared as far as knowing what the team is going to do and playing to our strengths. But at the same time, though, I would say that, you know, uh, uh, um, God dang, I just lost my thought. I was going somewhere with that. But 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 that, God dang it, I lost my thought, dog. We, I was going somewhere <laughs> with that. I promise God I was going somewhere with that as far as uh, preparation. Oh, c- competition and practice. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we went hard when we needed to go hard as far as contact, but we went hard mentally. We went hard in repetition. We went hard in, again, knowing their offense as best as we possibly can to anticipate what they're going to do. 
and, and how we adjust within our scheme. And so, yes, competition in practice and going hard when you're supposed to is extremely important. And it's supposed to be difficult yeah. when it gets so it's supposed to be easy on the field. So yeah, yeah, and we were we were forced to compete. Like yep. no nobody's job was safe. Like you know, you, just because you started this week, don't mean you starting next week. Um, mm-hmm. Just because you were the starter this year, don't mean you're the starter next year. They they they're they're going to recruit guys that they think can take your spot. Yeah. And if you're not up to the task of keeping your spot, then you know goodbye. Uh, and, and you know after that freshman year. I still, as well as I did, I still had it in my mind that I wanted to transfer. Um, you know, and so, so I, you know, I, I, I went home to play baseball because that's what I wanted to do. And so I, I went home that, 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 that summer and I played travel baseball all summer long. And, uh, Literally, my last game, um, probably about a, about a day before, you know, it was getting close because we had our last game and then we were going to have uh, games that next week to start like tournament play and stuff. But I had to report for for training camp. So this week, I'm, I'm fighting in my mind. Like, do I really want to transfer? Do I really want to stay? Ultimately, it came down to, look, I do not want to go somewhere and start over. I I I surprised myself here and was able to earn a starting spot as a freshman. Um, if I go to that other place, yeah, the coach begged me to come there. Not begged, but you know, he saved the guy, saved something for me. And at the end of but at the end of the day, I'm the new guy. And nobody there knows me. And I'm starting from scratch all over again. And quite frankly, I developed some friendships and and uh, and I was comfortable with the coaching staff. And so um, I went to my my travel coach and I let him know. I was like, look, tomorrow's going to be my last game. I got to re- on Sunday and <clears throat> not be here for the playoff run. And he, he respected that. He was fine with that. I'd known him since I was a kid anyway. Uh, he was my guidance counselor in high school. Me and his son were best friends. And so he respected that. Um, you know, he let me tell the guys on the team because a lot of those guys I grew up playing baseball with. And when I say grew up, I mean, we've either been playing against or with each other since we were eight, nine years old. So um, he let me tell them that it was going to be my, but I had a heck of a last game though, man. I went four for four. I hit a home run. You oh, know, nice. I scored. I said, "Oh man, I had a I had a heck of a last game." And the only thing that sucked was it got too dark, and we couldn't finish the last inning. So they had to finish the game after I was gone, and wow. and I was on deck to be the next at bat. And so uh, that that was the only thing that sucked. But I will say, uh, the coach of the other team is a Maryland baseball legend. His name is Ed Glazier. It was the one and only time he ever said anything to me. Uh, he came and he shook my hand and he said, good luck. Because I guess Mr. DeVita said, because they were good friends. Mr. DeVita probably told him that I was not going to be there after today, after that day. 
And so it was the one and only time he ever said anything to me. Looked me in my eye, he shook my hand and just said, good luck, you're a heck of a baseball player. And that was the only conversation we ever had. Um, but he is one of the best baseball coaches, minds I've ever been around in my life. Um, great man, great guy. Um, and so then when I got back to Robert Morris, I was in, I was in for, for, in for a penny and for a pound. Like I was, you know, at that point I made up my mind that I was going to finish whatever happened, happened. I was going to finish my career at Robert Morris. And, uh, and, and I was, I was comfortable with that decision. Um, and so, uh, then, uh, when we showed up and, you know, then, then I've got, I've got Mons in my ear, I've got Miller in my ear. Oh, we got some people that can, that can beat you in that 20. <laughs> oh, let's talk about that. Now, uh, according to Dan Radakovich, 40 yard time is a 40 yard dash is a waste of time. It's a waste of time. 20 yards is what the game of football with the intense and your heart rate shoots through the sky going up to 200 plus beats per minute. Exactly. For a very short period of time throughout a game. So imagine the heart rate just going up and down. Mm-hmm. And he said that happens within 20 minutes. I mean, excuse me, 20 yards. 20 yards. But specifically, he's, his, his most interesting and I would say most controversial theory is you should be hitting full speed on your second step. On your second step. That was one of those concepts that really stuck in my head. So mm-hmm. we got time, not in the 40 at Robert Morris, but in the 20. Videotape. Now, yes. Now, yes, not no hand time. This is extremely accurate because it's by yes. frame by frame videotape. Yes. And ladies and gentlemen, MoFo family, uh, <laughs> on, on this podcast <laughs> is two of the fastest 20 times in school ever. history. <laughs> ever. Two. Well, and at the time I showed up, I believe Dante had Delante had the fastest. Uh, and my freshman year, I beat his time. And I beat my own time my sophomore year and basically had the fastest time for four straight years. And I believe Ed Harriet broke it. I can't remember. But I know I had it for a while. And I'm, I'm, it's either still mine or I think I'm top two somewhere around there and if I think if I'm number two I believe it's Ed Harriet that beat the time yeah I don't know what Tim Hall's time was but um I will say this and I'm I'm proud because Dante Settles is also in that conversation I remember or Ed one of them might have beaten the time Ed it was Ed it was Ed it was Ed okay so I'm, I'm. Let's say this. I'm either one, two, or three. Because Dante might have, might have got me on his senior years. He developed and got faster. Because yeah, Dante fast too. So yeah. I will yeah. say this pound for pound. Yeah. I'll be on that list too. <laughs> so hey, let's get it. Hey, oh, I'm gonna tell you why, Doc. Now, now remember this. Now I did it at 235 pounds. True. You know so, what I'm saying? You were there my sophomore year, right? Coaching. 
So I, no, 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 no. I no, was you there came, your senior year. You came my senior year. So you weren't there. So so my sophomore year, you know, we're going through training camp and everybody knows, you know, here come, you know, the 20 time is coming. You know, sir. The first scrimmage, second week of practice. Yeah. My twenties. Yeah. We're gonna get videotape. Yeah. And and you know, obviously at that point, I'm the time to beat. And so the whole week, Mons and Miller are like, Nick, see that over there? He gonna get you. Kid named Cortland. He was from like New York or something. And then he he was like, he was like, he gonna get you. Like he's a track star in high school, high school. You know, I, I was like, okay. See, uh, I never really, like you said, I never really cared about getting timed in anything. Like if somebody would have asked me how fast I was, I just always used to say next man. Like if I if foot race, I'm not going to be last. That's, <laughs> that used to be my thing. And so um, I was just like, all right, man, I'm, you know, whatever. We can do whatever. So I don't know, I forget how it came to be, but it culminated for, for, for that first week or so. And right before we, right after we ran the 20s, before we knew what times were or anything, I looked at Peanut, I said, I'm about to squash all this noise right now. I said, I told Mons and Miller, get your man over here on the line and we just gonna race. You know how I feel ended. I was like, we, we gonna race till the end. And I believe Harper was at the end. And, but it was supposed to be just me and this kid, Cortland. But somehow it ended up with Dorsey and Opio. <laughs> smoke was in there. All oh, these dudes thought they were going to beat me in a foot race. And so, of course, I, I wish Peanut was here because he tells it way better than me because I'm because he was watching it from the sideline. So, you know, they dropped the hammer and boom, gone. And like you said, first two steps. I had two first steps. Two I'm steps. Gone. Yeah. So don't I didn't think about it. It wasn't even something I, I like intended to do on purpose. I was probably about 15, 10 yards from Coach Harper, and I turned around and ran backwards the rest of the rest of the sprints and, and and it was just no thought just like you know because that used to be my thing man i run faster backwards than you guys run forwards so i don't think you can beat me in a foot race and so i wanted to prove that when i turned around backwards you still couldn't catch me in a foot race and and so everybody went crazy and i jumped over the fence at the end <laughs> and went into the locker room and so uh yeah, yeah. So, so that ended all that noise immediately uh, after that. Because uh, I, I wanted to make a point that I don't care who you recruit, they will not beat me in a foot race while I'm at Robert Morris. Think about yes, now because I'm 41, and you know uh, I got two kids, and and I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't run and stuff like that. Right. I probably should, but you know, but not then. No, not right, not right, right. foot race to anybody back then. Not on football well, this, field. Let's let's talk about what I know is your favorite season, your, your senior season, yeah. two thousand team. We're talking about the undefeated two thousand national championship team for 
Division One AA non-scholarship at the time. Um, we're talking about again, just just overcoming all kind of odds, just that perfect season. Not only yeah. in numbers, but we proved it um, with our record. But it was just even in the certain situations where way the ball bounced, it was just one of those teams that felt like it was destined. And, yeah. uh, and I tell the story about coming in as a graduate assistant coach my first year and feeling the energy of this team that was totally different than your freshman year, which is my yeah. senior year. And I was judging the team based on how we were. And I said, based on this energy, these dudes ain't going to win a game this year. <laughs> that was my, I, I mean, not a game, but there's yeah. no in the world they're going to do as well as we historically have done. And I can, I can truly say that I was so wrong and because they had their own personality and it was a confidence and I would say in each other. I think that was probably one of the best examples of true overall team offense, defense, special teams, coaches, everybody on the same page every week, you know, making corrections as needed. Uh, um, especially making uh, changes because I think that is where championships are won is the ability to adjust um, and have an answers to problems. Um, And so, yeah, so so, uh, your senior year, what was some of your favorite games, favorite plays? So, so backstory. So remember, we're coming off of winning that national championship the year before with, Mm -hmm. you know, all due deference to our undefeated team. I think our 99 team was better. I can, and there's a strong argument for that. By, and, and a lot of people would the, agree with that. The, well, I'll put it like this. By the end of the year, I would have put that 99 team up against anybody in one double A. Anybody. Like we were, we had hit a, and it started at that Wagner game. You know, JT catches that pass in the back of the end zone. Yes. Catch. Awesome throw by Tryon. But from that point forward, we just had a confidence that, I mean, you look at those last couple scores, we're beating people 49 nothing, 50 nothing. We're just rolling. I think if that team would have stayed together, because we had a lot of seniors, Hank, Dorsey, Chris Bean, all these do, you know, if that team would have stuck together another year, man, 2000 would have been, a, it, it still would have been cool, but oh man, like what we could have done would have been, uh, I don't know, we might have set a lot of records. <laughs> Cause, hey. cause, so we come into 2000 and initially there's no smoke, there's no OPO. There's no Craig Hurley. No riff. No riff. And so then we get, because they all graduated on time, we go back, we get Smoke back, and we get Craig back. And ladies and gentlemen, let me explain that real quick. So that's the Prop 48 where the NCAA actually created an opportunity for those who are not qualified their freshman year to sit out their freshman year on their own dime, go to school. But if they graduated in four years, they would get their extra year eligibility. So shout out to Smoke, uh, Raymond, Dr. Tommy, Sm- Dr. Dr. Ray. Dr. Excuse Dr. me, Ray. excuse me. 
Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me. Man, it's flowers. Doctor, Doctor, Doctor Raymond yeah. Thomas, uh, 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 Opio Gary, Craig Herlin, Jamon Riff. These guys worked hard and and did what yes. they needed to do to get and that so, degree and play. So with that happening, now we've got all eleven starters back on defense from the year before. And so, you know, as a defensive room, we're feeling good because, and I'll just use this as an example. We all, at that point, we all knew Rad's system. You know, as you know, I was, I was able to kind of have some debates with Rad and, and get some stuff in there <laughs> that, uh, that, 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 that other than probably Nate, nobody else would be allowed to have that debate. Um, and I know Nate was allowed to have that debate, but you know, I, I was allowed I was allowed to sit in his office with him and Coach Rach and and have some have some input, you know, kind of be the spokesman for the guys. Cause you know Riff, Riff wanted to blitz every single play. That's right. that's what he wanted to do. And you know, Rad's like, now nah, I'm like, Rad, I'm just telling you, I can't take this game plan to these dudes. Like, it's just not. They're 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 going they're going they're going to want me change plays in the huddle. They don't want me. We gotta do something. <laughs> and so, so we were feeling good as a defensive unit. That, that you know, as as long as that offense could keep chucking, we felt we had a shot to win every single game. We didn't feel teams were going to come out and score 28, 30 points on us. We just didn't see it happening. And so um, we, we, we felt good as a unit. I think we felt good as a team um, because, because offensively with Opio back on offense, you know, there were some young receivers like Sean Martin and those guys, but they were good athletes. And so... You know, you got you got Tim Levchek at quarterback. You got that mammoth offensive line. You've got you got Sam Dorsett at running back. Um, you got Nick Daniel. You got you. We felt we had pieces there that, um, you know, as players, you know, coaches look week to week. Players, we look at big picture. We felt we could win every game. Um, and so. You know, but Buffalo State was our was our monster. You know, yeah. we beat them our freshman year, and then we had lost to them two years in a row. And so they're they're game one, and if you ain't one and zero, you can't go ten and zero. And so literally, and and the funny thing is, I started as a freshman. Their quarterback, who's now a senior, was also a freshman quarterback that day. And I have all out of all of my interceptions, I have five off of him. Mm. Most interceptions, and it's for two reasons. I think number one, it's the first game of the season, so we probably had the most amount of time to study that team. But number two, he was a gunslinger, man. He <laughs> just he was just gonna throw it up, and you know he you know I think he had mentioned his receivers because they had some decent receivers, and. Uh, and, and I just I just think he threw it to where he 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 felt his receivers could make plays, and it gave me opportunities that other teams didn't give me, um, especially my senior year. Um, so that first game, I mean, I got an interception on the very first play, 
Um, but that goes back into Coach Rad letting us be us. I mean, you know, it, you know, we've grown here, and you know, everybody on Robert Morris know the next tackle I make will probably be my first. Um, you know, you recruited me to cover, and so Smoke was the better tackler in our secondary. The best tackler in our secondary. The best tackler, absolutely. On most situations where we thought the team was running the ball, Smoke the corner and I played safety. And so the very first play of the game, Smoke was at corner and I was at two deep safety and I got a pick out of it. And so we used to joke that, you know, half of my interceptions are really his because, because those, he would have been in those spots, but he ultimately got his picks too. Um, and, and so, and then that, that play in the second half with a quarterback scrambling and I'm at safety again, and I see the receiver coming across and I just know he's going to try to throw late over the middle and boom, second pick in the, and so I ended up with like three interceptions in the first two games. And, and then, and then I went dead cause people just literally stopped throwing the ball at me. <laughs> so you turned into your mentor. I turned into my mentor for, for a while. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And I remember when we played St. John's, literally, we were warming up. And because, you know, we used to stand at the 50-yard line during, um, during Pat and Go. And the coach from St. John's, I, I'm, I'm assuming he was the offensive coordinator or the wide receiver. He was like, uh, you're going to be very bored today. Uh-huh. And <laughs> that's literally what he said to me. He was like, you're going to be very bored today. Don't worry about it. And I threw a pass in my direction that entire game. But, I mean, it was over in two two plays. We forced turnovers, what, the first three times? And and the offense capitalized. And so that game was over very, very early. And then then for some reason in the second half of the season, teams decided they could throw the ball at me again. And it allowed me to start picking off balls again. Um, But, no, we – we felt really, really good. And to be honest, in the back of my mind, um, we started out 4-0, 1-0, 2-0. Um, you know, I knew we were going to be 4-0. And in my mind, I, I, I never had this conversation with anyone else. Um, once we were 3-0, I forget who we played week four. I wasn't really looking at that game. I knew we had Dayton at Dayton the following. And while we had beaten them in 99, we beat them at Moon. Robert Morris had never beaten Dayton at Dayton. And so I I knew that if we couldn't figure it out and pull out a win at Dayton, everything else was irrelevant. And so, um, you know, we, we studied hard that week. We knew it was going to be a fight. That artificial turf in September is hot as can be. Mm. And, and uh, matter of fact, I think it was the first week of October. I think the game in October was when we went to Dayton. And, of course, Coach Harper is now at Dayton at that time. And, uh, and so, you know, so, you know, we spoke, but, you know, obviously – you know, he wanted he had to stay professional and we had a job to do until after the game. And uh, but that was man, that was a that that was a, a thriller. That was a you know, I think it was like ten thousand people at that game or something. It was it was mm-hmm. ridiculous out there. And uh 
I, I know they were driving right before halftime because they were they were winning. They were driving, and if they would have scored, they'd have been up 14 points at halftime. Mm. And, and Riff looked at me and was like, "Man, we need timeout." I called timeout. And I come to the sideline and talking to Rad and Coach. What is going on? And I'm like, I'm like, Coach Walton, we tired. <laughs> tired. We had to call because they're inside the 10. Yeah. And they had just driven down the field on us slow, steady, <laughs> hot. You know, that option, baby. Running that option, you're all over the field. It's hot. And I'm like, Coach Walton, I'm like, we're, I'm like, we're tired. I was like, they are tired. We need a break. We had to call timeout. And he and he looked at me and he said, "You tell them fatigue makes cowards of us all." <laughs> and so I gave that's not like a Walton quote. That was that's exact. He looked me dead in my face. Oh shit! He said, "I want you to tell them that fatigue makes cowards, cowards of us all." And I went out there. I relayed the message, and we held them to a field goal. I think holding them to a field goal that drive ultimately won us the game because we won by four. Yeah. And so, you know, so we, we that it gave us more fun in the halftime and then we come back out and Tokyo runs the kickback and it kind of just turned the tide of the game. We didn't blow them out, but once we took the lead, you know, because what, they had the ball like three times with the last five minutes of the game inside the 20. With a chance to, you know, yeah, yeah. Goal, we cause a fumble, and then Joe Austin picks off the inter- picks off the pass on, on that last last drive to win the game. And so, and so, uh, you know, Joe Austin, my fellow DMV, uh, you know, Joe Austin is from the exact same place I'm from. We played against. Oh, each- I didn't yeah. know that. It was a very funny story about that. So, so you know, got recruited as a quarterback. Because Joe, know that. Joe was a wing team quarterback at West oh. here in Charles County, and came to Robert Morris as a quarterback, and then ultimately they moved him to secondary. <clears throat> so my junior year, when when Coach Rad is like, I think I'm a have Joe Austin start. I'm like Rad, you understand? He ain't never played defense before. <laughs> went to a high school where all he played was quarterback. They, they were that talented that Joe didn't have to play defense. He played quarterback and that was it. But Joe was a good athlete. And so that's what Rad was looking at. He was long, he was tall, and and he, he made Rad out to be a prophet because, you know, he ended up for three years at corner and did a hell of a job doing it. And so, shout out to shout out to Officer uh Joe Austin. Yes, yes, sir, yes, sir. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, was a, he was a police officer here in the D.C. area, so mm-hmm. you know that yeah. definitely. Uh, um, you know, he he, but he he made Rad out of, and he ended up being that him and Hempstead ended up being those final two pieces in in that defense we had the last two years. And uh, shout out to the Hall of Famer uh, Jason Hempstead. Yes, Hempstead's in the Hall of Fame for, for football and track. And he's, track. Yeah, he's in the Hall of Fame for football and track. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can't wait to get him on, too. Um, yeah, no, Jason's a good dude. Um, but no, once once we beat Dayton, I think, I think it gave Coach Walton and Coach Rad 
uh, they let their hair down a little bit. Cause you remember, oh yeah, you remember what happened in the locker room after that dating game where Coach uh-huh. we going he's like we gonna chomp the rest of this the rest of the schedule. <laughs> oh yeah 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 yeah. We yeah, got yeah, five yeah. games and we gonna chomp 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 all the way through the rest of the schedule. And so I think once I think once we beat Dayton, he he really thought that we could go undefeated. He never told us that, uh, obviously, because, you know, Coach Walton was that business, you know, you know, you, you got to be about your business. But I, I think he really believed that once we beat Dayton at Dayton, that, you know, we had an opportunity to uh, go undefeated. But you know, I think he knew that our nemesis was around the corner in Wagner. Yeah. <laughs> Always tough so, game. Always tough against uh, Staten that, Island. That, over, that overtime game almost cost us too, and yeah. that was man. It was cold. It was windy. I should have had a pick. I should have had two picks that game. I did get a pick, but the first one, the wind was blowing so hard, it blew the ball all over the place. And so, but yeah, man, they they uh they jumped us, and you know they they were up two touchdowns in the fourth quarter twice. And back and and winning in overtime and and uh, but but historically Wagner's always been a tough game for us. Always, Good you Lord. know, they're 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 always a tough game for us. You know, especially my freshman year with uh, Rick Cerilli. Ooh, hey, shout out to Northeast Conference all-time leading Russian and Northeast yeah. Conference Hall of Famer Ricky Cerilli, Miami's Florida, baby. Yeah, but I mean, we, 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 you know, he would run all, he would, you know, I mean, if you're getting 300 yards and it's just between the 20s, it really don't mean nothing. And right. He's a great player and he was a beast to plan for. And well, you know, I wasn't tackling in no way. So, <laughs> um, you know, uh, you know, for all, all your other guys that had to make those tackles, I knew he was a beast to tackle. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> um, but but all these yards were they were they, they were empty yards. They were all between the twenties. And so when you're not scoring touchdowns and we're scoring touchdowns, I mean, okay, have a great day. You know, have 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 a three hundred yard rush day and lose by twenty. You know, I mean, that's ultimately what would happen until my senior year, where they they really they really they really jumped us that day. Like I said, and uh, and and we but we you know offense, defense, special teams, we buckled down. And you know we came back and pulled out the win, and and then I think I think the end of 2000 was kind of like the end of 99. Once we got past that Wagner game, you know, I mean, I I, I just don't think anybody that played us after that had a chance. I mean, yeah, man, we had a game within 10 points after that. Um, yeah, the swag was real, boy. Y'all couldn't yeah, tell y'all yeah. nothing. I you know really the. For us as coaches, the, the goal was to make sure y'all didn't uh, sleep on somebody and and, right. and and lose a game that we shouldn't lose. So we should lose. Um, but yeah, it was it was always good. To, I ain't gonna lie, boy. Over times in practice, and you know when I'm playing scout team quarterback, mm. where I used to be like, we're gonna get killed. Uh, we're gonna get destroyed. <laughs> there was a, because y'all were just too silly, man. Yeah, Way man. Too I silly. mean. I think I've always explained it where 
um, when even when I talked to my kids, I was like, if if you came to one of our practices our senior year, you would think that you were watching two different football teams. The offense was 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 they took on Coach Walton's personality. They were about their business. They were surgical. They you know they 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 ran and we took on. Coach Rad's personality. We were, we had fun. We were aloof, you know. We, you know, but but what they didn't see was that when it was time to study film, we study film. We had we 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 took our meetings seriously. But on the practice field, you know, we we we'd rather listen to Rad tell us a story than you know than watch Saint than than run scout team against Saint Francis, who we knew we were going to beat sixty three nothing anyway. <laughs> um, you know, and and the funny thing is, there were some guys on that St. Francis team that we recruited. I knew them personally because my mom taught some of them in high school and we were friends. And I was like, look, I'm just telling you, you know. And the reason they went to St. Francis is because remember, that's when they started giving the full full rides. And St. Francis used all of theirs and because of our ability and we had all those guys coach walton didn't have to spend tons of scholarships on new guys and he kind of kept them in the bag to get guys down the road and but saint francis and all those other schools were using them up so those guys decided to go to saint francis and you know when we when we beat them 63 to nothing i just gave them i told you so and you know kept it moving that was a funny game though, because they would not throw the ball. Because remember, the game before, I think their quarterback threw like four interceptions, and for some reason, they would not throw the ball against us. For and when some they, reason, for when they finally did, Joe Wood got an interception, and in their uh, stadium clap. <laughs> it was weird, man. It was a weird day. And man, I remember. All I remember is after the game, we were shaking hands. Walton walked up to the head coach and said, "I'm sorry." Oh, yes, he said, "I'm sorry." <laughs> oh, yeah. that was bad, man. Yeah, you know, Coach Walton. He he was not up for embarrassing people and yeah, and and, and but I think that's just how the game flowed. Like you know, someone fumbles the ball in the end zone. <laughs> we yeah, it, it, yeah. It, I mean, and that's the thing. It, it was done with class, See, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. This is probably the classiest sixty-three to nothing victory. Yeah, because it wasn't. We weren't throwing the ball all over the field in the second half. Right. It was just they would get the ball and turn it over inside the twenty. Like, what are you supposed to do? Like, not score? Like, right. just, you know, because the guy, because at this point he's playing back for guys. They've never played, and so you got to give them an opportunity to do something too, you know, within reason, and that's what he did. And you know, so they were able to score touchdowns, and 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 we got defensive touchdowns. And you know, I know I, I had that one punt return, which I wish was a touchdown, um, but uh, you know, but it was it was it was a it was a sixty-three to nothing that just happened. It was not. Yeah. It was not a. I'm I'm coming out here to beat you 63 to nothing. It just it didn't happen that way. And so, um, no nah, man. And so it, it was it was it was a good year. That's that that Stony Brook game was was pretty cool because 
you know, I mean, anybody who is competitive tells knows that, you know, you should you stat watching. Mm-hmm. Knew going into that game that I needed two interceptions to tie Brian for most interceptions in, in the game, right? In a year. Um unfortunately because no one threw the ball at me for three or four games. I I, I knew I wasn't gonna catch him in career. And we talked about it. When we went to Sacred Heart, he was up there and we had a conversation. And I was like, you know, yeah, I'm not gonna get you for the year, but I mean for the career, but I think I can still get you or tie you for the and so we got the same I mean, yeah, I wanted to win, but I was trying I was trying to get three interceptions that day. <laughs> I went I three. Because uh, I got the one on the cross, on the mix-up, I think, between the quarterback and the receiver. The quarterback threw an out, and the receiver ran a go, and I was sitting right there. And so, hey, he gave it to me, so I took it. Yeah, they ran a play where it was like a rollout, and it was like a flood route, and I jumped the receiver a second too early, and he pulled it down, and Reggie got a sack. And so I put that in my mind, and when they ran it in the fourth quarter, I waited until he was already coming. And then I jumped it and took it into the end zone. And so, you know, those are the types of things that you have to do throughout the game when you talk about making adjustments. And and if, you, if you're paying attention to film and study and scouting reports and, you know, hey, look, this, this is their favorite play. They're going to come back to it. And yep. I was a little early because I was anxious, but I'm not going to miss it the second time. And they ran it again and, I jumped it and, <laughs> and took yeah. it. So I tried to keep the ball, but the referee wouldn't let me. So, um, you know, but uh, no, nah, that was, that was, that was a, it was an amazing season. It was a great group of guys. Um, and I know, I know like, but uh, with being in the Hall of Fame as well. But, uh, you know, we had guys, we had Riff and Reggie and Craig and and, and Brad Miller, uh, who was a freshman. Um, we had, you know, we had Kirit at Nose who demanded two, three people to block him. Uh, we had Horse at DN, Christian. You know, we, we uh, know, uh, uh, Chris Lee, uh I know Will Weathers got some play in there too. Um, you know, we, we had, we had a collective man. And, and, and like you said, we trusted each other. Here's how, here's how much we trusted each other. And if we do this, you probably kill both. Of us. Um, so me and Brad Miller had an agreement every game. He'll, he'll make sure he makes all the tackles. I'll cover his, his, his zone in pass plays, even in man. I'll make sure I got my eye on my man and his man, and he can have all the tackles and sacks that he wants. <laughs> Nobody. I'm just letting you know that. And, and so we had that, we had that, but we had that feel on, you know, where we would talk to each other, like, hey man, you got X, Y, and Z, and or, or I, I got you. Like, you know, and and so we we just we had that that that, that secret, we, we were in sync. You know, as a whole defense, as me and him on the left side, because um, you know I had switched by that time. <laughs> mm-hmm. You went, you went right to that left corner. You went home. You yeah. went home. 
Yeah, I, went, I was on the left side by then, and uh, and so we, you know, we just had that. We were just in sync as a as a defense. Uh, we were in sync as a team. Um, we picked each other up. There were games uh, like Albany where you know defensively we kept having breakdowns, and so the offense had to bail us out, like until the fourth quarter. They they had to go tit for tat with that offense um, until we were able to figure it out, and you know, and finally close the door um so it wasn't just all about oh well the defense dominated the whole year or the offense dominated the whole year you know it was a collective effort with a group of guys that had a mutual respect for each other you know and what i will say about the albany game is what turned the tide was coverage and everything secondary was the same but we went from a three four to four three yeah. So and that changed, and so ladies and gentlemen, football fans, we made a huge defensive adjustment. Yeah. Played something that they ain't played in two years at that time. Yeah. Went we back were, to the defense. Yeah. Yeah, we were straight three four for almost mm-hmm. years. Yeah. And, and and then in that game, because of what was going on, Coach Rad made the decision that we were going to play four three for the second half. And yeah, boy, that changed everything. Yeah, that kind of, oh, well, I mean, sucks. He used to, we had where he would come out the stands or he would, whatever, he, you know, during pregame and be like, well, we're not, forget about what we practiced this week. We doing this, we playing cover three until they make us change. And we like, yeah. oh, like, <laughs> yeah, everybody like, no. bring up that. Everybody yeah. bring that up. Like, he, oh, he, they should drive me crazy. Yeah, he would make changes on the fly because he saw something during warmups or because he saw something during that first quarter and he would be like, hey, Nick, I need you to do this until I tell you otherwise. And that's what we would do. Like, you know, you know, I mean, I don't want to say we followed him like a blind leader, but we kind of did. Like, yeah, we kind of did. If Rad said do it, you know, we, we understood that he was doing it for a reason. And, you know, more than likely it's to our benefit to just do what he says and begrudgingly or not because you know we love the blitz and we play man and but if rad said no man no blitzing okay you know let's just suck it up do what we gotta do until we can get a lead where he can turn us loose again and and that's kind of what we did like you know it was we 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 had ultimate trust in the decisions that coach walton coach rad and the coaching staff made and I, I think he he spoke to that in the in the uh, in the ceremony, you know, when we got the award from the uh, from the commissioner for being the first team in any sport to go undefeated. Um, we truly we truly took everything that preached and put it into practice. Um, you know, Sir. as a as a group, as as individuals. And, 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 you know, the, the biggest thing is a lot of the lessons that they taught us are things that, you know, I'm pretty, sh- I'm pretty sure a lot of us practice to this day in our everyday life. And, and I know I do when I'm coaching, coaching my kids at, uh, you know, at, at youth football, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I find myself repeating a lot of the things that I was told when I was at Robert Morris. Um, usually coach the defense and you know I I try to we run three four we run four three we run we do everything we don't backpedal uh you know like I said they are well versed in the mirror drill and look search 
And uh, and and so you know, it's I I I think we were taught to 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 respect football and study football, and that it's not just eleven guys running around with their with chickens with their heads cut off. Like there should be a method to your madness. Um, and you know, I just try to instill that in in the kids that I coach. And so. And so now I'm, I'm back to the beginning because my five-year-old is about to start flag football. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. That's dope, man. That's so dope. I'm going to be with the little ones for a while. And, uh, and, and uh, it's cool. So, and, of course, he wants to play baseball. So he's going to start T-ball uh, in a couple of weeks here. And then he's going to do flag football in the fall. And, and we'll see where it goes. I mean, if he comes to me and says, I don't want to do football anymore, it's it's his life, not mine. I can't make him be me, and so right. he is not named after me. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Hey, well, man, just to give you an idea, we had two and a half hours. Oh man, it's crazy. Just to give you, just to show you how fast it goes. So, yeah, man. Man, let me tell you again. I appreciate you for your time. I thank you for the stories. Thank you for the words. I think there's going to be a lot of information that people in game from listening to your story and just to highlight some key points that I come across as thinking about education, the importance of it. Um, it's not about, uh, um, um, you know, you as student athletes, you have to understand that yes. the academic part is a, is a part of the game. You cannot mm -hmm. escape it. There's no run around. Stop trying to find easy and in, 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 in ways out of it. Stop trying to find someone to bail you out. Put the work in, require the discipline to be great on the playing field. It's the same thing that you use in the classroom because, yes, I know you don't see the benefit of it now. You keep hearing these same messages by adults over and over again that it's yep. going to serve you eventually, and it will. You have to trust the process in that regard. So yes. academic peace is a part of it. It's unavoided. Affordable. Number two, I uh, want to highlight the fact that you were uh, not only a student athlete, but you're also a musician. And we want to encourage the arts, especially athletes in the arts. That's not something I hear people talk enough about, but the importance yeah. of, of, of being well-rounded and having student athletes be exposed to the arts as well and, and, and the parts of the brain that that stimulates. And yeah. finally, you know, again, as far as hard work and, and, and trusting your instincts on a football field, having fun, you heard a lot about teammates, you heard a lot about system, you heard a lot about community. And we want to show and know that it's not about individuals. Individuals do get uh, awards, but when it comes, especially the sport of football, when you think about 11 people on, on one team on the field at a time, that's a lot of people to give one award to. So um, it is a team sport, the ultimate team sport, the ultimate sacrifice sport. Because yeah. it's about being on a collective, being on the same mindset towards a very specific goal. And hopefully those are championships. And so uh, uh, my guest was very intricate in several of those. And I can't think of enough. Uh, Robert Morris, legend uh, uh, at cornerback. Nick Downs, thank you for your time, sir. Hey, I appreciate it, Mo, and, you know, hopefully we can see each other in person sooner rather than later, man. Oh, for sure. Let me tell you some of the goals, man. When we can't see each other, my goal is to get me a, a camera 
and have different teams all sit in groups. Like we might have the all 2000 uh, defense sit and just put a camera and just talk. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And uh, uh, this is really our opportunity to capture. What I realized in watching is, uh, num- number one, not a lot of people know about non-scholarship football at the 1AA level and what that started for a lot of the schools in the Northeast and the ECAC. But number two, uh, um, that that as relates to uh, Robert Morris football and as relates to, you know, capturing our stories, it's not being documented by our voices. So again, shout out to the Robert Morris University communications team, especially on the sports side. I know they put a lot of content out there and that's wonderful. And we hope that they connect with the original classes more, but this is us uh, telling our story. And I said, you know what? I know they are gonna tell me stuff that they ain't gonna tell nobody else because it's that trust, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I want us to be able to tell our stories, but also, like I said, give flowers to uh, uh, the people that we respect while they're still here. So again, thank you, my brother. When we get, when the time is right, we will be doing this in person. We're going to have some good times and uh, we're going to document. I, I appreciate you, brother. Um, just one note, not only just for, you know, I, I think I think we are going in a good direction. Um, Coach Clark is an awesome guy. I've met him in person. I've talked to him. Um, I think he has he has the program headed in the right direction. Um, I think he's the right man for this time. And, and I think we should just all support him in whatever way, shape or form that we can, um, old and new. Um, those, those guys that are there now are part of our family for the rest of their life. And so we should do everything we can to support them. It doesn't have to be money. It can just be showing up for a game, um, you know, hanging out, talking to a few guys, mentoring possibly if can, but let's, let's give those guys all the support. Cause I think, I think they're heading in the right direction. And, uh, I, and I have all faith in coach Clark and what those guys are doing there. And so let's, uh, let's just continue to support, our, support our place. Um, good, bad or indifferent, you know, we all, we all colonials. And so, yeah, man, that's a, <laughs> that's a, that's a commitment of mine to the, find ways that right now financially I cannot yeah uh, but you know but finding other ways to support and uh, hopefully this is the beginning of something special yeah. um, as relates to telling that story and supporting the university and the football team so again thank you my brother for being on the podcast Absolutely. man and uh um I'll be putting that information I've seen the information when I'm gonna put it out all right got to do some stuff man but um hey, no, time, I will let you okay. know I appreciate right. it, brother. Pleasure talking sure. to you, man. And uh, sure. like I said, be in touch. All right, mate. All right, brother.